Okay, so um, once again, thank you, Amal, for coming on to the podcast. Um, just a quick introduction for the people who are listening to this podcast for the first time. So this podcast was made to be built on the intention of helping students and product management enthusiasts to break into product. And uh, being a student myself, one of the biggest difficulties I've ever had was finding the right type of mentorship from industry leaders, as well as experienced product folk and getting those insights and putting them into practical use. And I wish I always had this type of guidance when I was in my undergraduate. So that was kind of one of the main notions of starting this podcast. And today, the speaker for our fourth episode is Amal. She's currently a PM at Facebook, and she um, is really experienced in products. She has a really diverse set of product experience. I'm going to hand it off to her to talk about a little bit about herself in more detail. Hi, um, I'm Amal. I am a product manager at Facebook. Um, like you said, thank you for that introduction. I currently work in the applied research org at Facebook and Facebook AI, which means that we build models that push the state of the art in video understanding and then apply those to different use cases at Facebook. Um, so I, in particular, work on video understanding. So if you guys are familiar with Instagram Reels or Facebook Watch or any video product at Facebook or Instagram, it's likely that my models are operating there. Before I came to Facebook, uh, I actually had no experience in AI or in computer vision, which is the org that I'm in. I worked at WeWork for a number of years on internal real estate software, really more user focused, very close to the business goals, totally different environment. And also company wise, it was growing, obviously much smaller than Facebook. So super different. Um, and my experience before that, which was at American Express, also super different, big company, financial services. I worked on large consumer facing apps. So if you have a credit card and you have rewards associated with that credit card and you want to spend them or understand how you're earning, I worked on all customer facing experiences for that. So it's really a lot of diversified experiences. Um, and I was fortunate enough to kind of find my way into product management during my time at University of Michigan when I was in college. Awesome. Thanks for the quick introduction. And uh, just a quick comment on Instagram Reels. Um, in India, TikTok has been banned. And I'm currently in India, so I'm just kind of using all my uh, my normal time, which I spend on TikTok, on Instagram Reels. And I think it's getting better, like every week or so, I'm not sure. But um, the last time I checked, it's getting really engaging. So can you, not to dive off, off topic, but what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think in general at Facebook, our products are constantly evolving. Um, we're taking in customer feedback. We're observing how people are using the apps to make the experience better for them. Um, so I'm glad that you're finding it more engaging. And I hope that as time goes on, that improves. Um, that's our goal. And of course, from an AI perspective and from a general machine learning perspective, you know, we just launched this a couple of months ago. So in the beginning, we didn't have a lot of information about how people were using it, what you in particular were interested in. As we just learn more, we collect more information. Um, the experience just improves. So I hope that, you know, that continues over time in the life cycle of the product. I see. Still not as good at TikTok, um, to be honest, but it's getting better by the day. And uh, I think it's helping a lot of people pass the time here in India in COVID, but uh, that's good to hear. Um, anyway, 
So let's dive into the first question of this episode. And that is, what are your thoughts about COVID on the product and startup space in general? And this could be any new business models you observed or any new trends or changes that piqued your interest or anything that you want to mention in detail. Yeah, I think, look, COVID has obviously been devastating for the entire world. And I don't want to make light of that situation. But what I will say is that if you're fortunate enough to be a student or to be employed and you're home and you're working from home and you find yourself trying to find something to do with that time, there is a lot of opportunity in technology. When everyone's home and there is not much to do and you're trying to find new innovative ways to connect with your friends or learn more about healthcare as the virus evolves, I think it's really an interesting time for people to start experimenting with the ideas that they've always had and that they've been sitting on um, to just see how they gel in the world because in general, people are just more open to trying different things. Like last night, I tried Clubhouse. It's a really interesting app that I probably would not have tried if there wasn't this COVID time. I just would have you know, put it to the side and said, one day I'll figure this out. But last night I was home, someone invited me to it and I was just gonna check this out. And it's just interesting to observe those types of things and look the app isn't perfect there's definitely some clunkiness in the user experience i had a few obstacles as i was onboarding there's of course areas for improvement but that's the beauty of tech is that it's always improving so i would encourage people if they have an idea if they want to test something out to just try it right now because if you sit on it if you wait you might miss the opportunity and it's a really good time to grab people's attention as they're hungry for new things to try out. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. And just dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, so would you say this would be a great time for students who want to build their own startups or products, especially when they're in college, just to launch and test them out with the general audience, given that they're more open to testing as we assume? What do you think about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, well, Especially this day and age, there's a lot of emphasis on you have to be this rock star founder that goes and gets a ton of money from investors and venture capital firms. But I think you can also start things really organically and not worry about needing to have things super polished. So if you even want to start a newsletter, right, which isn't super, it's not building a new tech product, but it could be a way towards getting there if you want to talk about your thoughts about product or about tech. I think people should. There is, culture is really evolving as it comes to consuming things through a screen, whether it's on your computer, on your phone, um, on your at-home workout apps. Like there's just a lot of different things that are coming up these days and people are just way more open to it. So I definitely think it's a good time to experiment post things in groups, on different forums, um, I definitely think that you'll get more engagement than you would have otherwise. Got it. Thank you. And just to mention a little bit from my side as well, um, one thing I'm noticing among my friends group is that a lot of people are experimenting not just with tech products, but with businesses as well. I've seen people open restaurants with on-the-spot delivery, which they normally would not have done otherwise if it weren't for COVID. And I find that extremely um, interesting because it kind of really encouraged this risk-oriented yet daring behavior from a 
lot of people which I didn't expect of. So that's really interesting to see how COVID is pushing people to a limit as well as kind of encouraging them to do more. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have read or seen the articles about some of the world's most popular artists or geniuses spent most of their time developing whatever they're known for during a time of isolation which is just really interesting. I think it just gives your brain more flexibility to think more creatively. And now, of course, you know, we always have to acknowledge that not everybody is in that situation. There are definitely people who are suffering during this time. Um, and But I also think that if you're not, if you're fortunate enough to not be suffering during this time, you can channel your energy into building something that could help the people who are, um, which is really nice about the way that this ecosystem works in tech is that you can reach so many people and really impact so many people's lives that if you're on the lucky side of this virus and just what's been happening for the past year, you can use that as an opportunity to help the people who haven't been as fortunate as you are. I see. I don't think we'll never get a chance to have such free time and uh, I would say accessibility to technology in such an easy way like we have now, but I find it to be a great opportunity um, if you put all the negative circumstances aside. That's good to hear. Um, so now I just want to kind of push the conversation to the main core of the episode, as well as kind of the things that people are kind of really expecting. Um, so the second question would be, what would you recommend aspiring students as well as early professionals who are looking to break into Toronto uh, to do, um, especially during their undergrad, grad school, or during their early career? This could be anything from what helped you on your journey to what you heard from others or observed or got once you are, once you have been in the industry? Yeah, so I will talk about the types of experiences that you should look for instead of, you know, bullet points on a resume. For me, when I was in college, product was not a formal opportunity that we were educated about. I was in the business school and we were really filtered into finance, accounting, or marketing. There really weren't many things beyond that. And so what I would recommend is just finding opportunities wherever they are, where you can find a problem that people are having, prioritize it amongst all their other problems and then solve it, either using technology or not. I think that that is the crux of what a product manager does, finds problems, prioritizes them, and then solves them. And of course, we solve them using technology, but if you have the reflex to be able to solve it, not using technology, um, that's the same type of skill. So it can range from students kept being late to class because there was a long line at the coffee shop. Maybe there's a solution to that. Um, or it could be something more specific, right? Maybe you had a formal product management internship. Maybe you were lucky enough to learn that. Obviously, that's way more formal of a way to go about it. But I think, you know, we're always impressed with creative ways that people who are really passionate about this industry found to learn more about it, practice their skills in it, develop themselves. I think that there's a wide range of things that you can do. You just have to be willing to find those opportunities. Got it. 
So it's more about taking the risk as well as kind of being open to new opportunities as well as new ideas and putting them into actual traction instead of just theorizing. theorizing them. Yeah, I mean, I can go through an example of how I found myself in product management during college. I worked at the Michigan Daily, which is University of Michigan student-run newspaper, and I was on the business staff, which traditionally is the staff that helps monetize the paper. So selling ads or we had some subscription clients, things like that. Or at the time, we had subscription clients. I don't even know if they have that anymore. When I got a little older during my time there, I proposed starting a marketing staff. And part of that was starting an Instagram for the daily using our Facebook page for more than just posting articles, really engaging with the audience, doing things like polls, asking questions, showing some behind the scenes. But we also proposed to redesign the Michigan Daily website. And it was met with a lot of pushback just because people didn't understand, you know, we were still really heavily focused on print publication at that time. And it was not, you know, nowadays, we all know that people consume a lot of their media on the internet. At that time, we were still pushing for being this renowned print publication. And there are different types of benefits you get as a college newspaper, depending on what your circulation is for your print papers. So everybody's really hesitant to push so much for digital. But what we said was that if we redesign the website, we'll have more opportunity for monetization because we can make it flexible such that we don't have two fixed spots for ads. Maybe we have more, maybe we have video ads. Um, we really wanted to open different types of opportunities to monetize the paper so that we weren't at, we weren't constantly reaching a ceiling with what we could do. And so I partnered with someone on the editorial staff who is now a journalist at the Wall Street Journal. So he was definitely like a real deal newspaper editor, definitely not on the business side. And we just started to lead this charge. We worked with designers, we worked with engineers, and we really started to think about what is the best way to maximize this paper for the student and community reader when it comes to both information consumption, but also monetization. And it was so fun and exciting for me, and I had never really done anything like that before. And even at the time, I didn't realize that it was product management. But as I was doing internship interviews, or in Michigan's business school, we have a lot of opportunities to partner with local businesses, I was learning that this is actually a career path, and this is actually a field that you can go into. And so I was fortunate enough to lean on that experience that I just kind of went for and pushed for to use to A, figure out that this is something that I wanted to do, and then B, to get opportunities within that. So I really encourage people to find more things like that, right? The Daily didn't have a product management team, and I doubt that they have one now, but we found that opportunity to do something that, you know, even at Facebook, we have monetization product managers. At every big company, we have that, which is something that I was doing in college that I didn't even realize was a thing. It was just something that I did because it was fun and I believed in it. Um, so I really encourage people to do that because when you're, especially in college, there's a lot of opportunities. There's so many things to do and you have 
the benefit of picking something that you're really passionate about. And if you can find a problem to solve using technology or not using technology, just a problem that you can solve in an area that you're passionate about, that'll take you really far when it comes to a career in product. Got it. Thank you. And one thing which I really loved about this whole experience of yours is that you persevered in spite of getting pushed back. And I think that's something which a lot of students struggle with because it may feel like they're pushing back too much or they feel discouraged. What would you recommend um, those students to do at that time? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, look, you know, my colleague who is on the editorial staff and I, we laugh now because all of the channels that we set up are used so much with the daily students and they don't even know who we are. And we think it's so funny because we have so much trouble. Um, I think it's about really remember focusing on that. If you really believe in something, if you feel like you've done the research and you know that your idea is going to stick, focus on that. Focus on where you see it going in five years. I was really confident that in five years, the daily Instagram would be super popular or the website would be doing really well. And I've seen now just from the periphery of the daily that a lot of that stuff has stuck. And I was super confident about it at the time. And I just had to keep my head down and keep going. A lot of people don't have, you know, an environment that will let them do that. You know, maybe you have a boss who is funding your project and stops you. I think that it's okay to pivot and to continue to still have your end goal in mind, but maybe go about it in a different way if you're really receiving that type of pushback. But even now, in my any job that I've had, I've been telling this to people who have been joining Facebook as new PMs. A lot of it is about confidence in yourself and confidence in the idea that you had. People will trust you and believe you if you're confident in what you're doing and if you can show that you know you have a plan for the trade-offs that they're associating or the drawbacks. If they say, hey, if we do this, won't this other thing happen? And you can say, yeah, I've thought about that. Here's my plan. Um, I think that that really makes a big difference. Awesome. So thinking ahead, using a little bit of critical thinking, as well as maybe using data to back up your assumptions, works great again. So thanks for sharing that. I do want to ask you one more sub-question for on what we're talking about. Uh, one common thing that I observe is that since a lot of new PM opportunities are now open in the market, um, the whole differentiation issue kind of pops up. That means people now have at least one PM experience on their resume and they have an impact which they can share. What really separates the great PMs who eventually break into product um, from the people who have this normal PM experience, which you know, eventually lets them fail when breaking product? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so I'll break these down into a couple of things. Um, so the first one, which you mentioned, is impact. I think being able to show that you had some type of tangible impact, whether you share that with a metric, like 10% increase in viewership, or you show that with a launch, right? You say zero to one launch. I think impact is really important. We're really looking for PMs who can understand what impact means and also be able to talk about it and show that what they did did have some downstream impact on a user or a business, anything like that. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is to be able to think 
big and think broadly. Think beyond the scope of your product. Think about external competitors or trends, right? Even just general trends that may not have direct applicability to your business or your product. Think about that. Think about how that might impact your audience. Um, consider different types of trade-offs or all the options that could exist, right? A lot of times I'll talk to people who, you know, this is a really popular example, but people will say all the streaming services are competitors against each other, right? Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, all of those, which is true. But if you really can think big, think about what problem is that solving for people? Entertainment, right? I want to be entertained. I'm bored. I want to lose myself in some type of experience and really just focus on that and not pay attention to what's going on in the world. There's a lot of ways that you can solve that problem. Maybe it's reading, maybe it's exercising, maybe it's taking a walk. If people can think that way, think really broadly, I think that that'll make a really big difference. Um, also, and this is something I've seen more and more lately, just showing a general interest in being engaged in the community. I don't think you need to be this big person on Twitter or have a newsletter or anything, but just be engaged, you know, understand what sorts of products are coming up why people might like them, um, talk to people. I think there's a lot of opportunities nowadays where people will answer you on LinkedIn or on Twitter or if you email them, especially if you show a genuine interest in what they're working on. I think that those these three things, impact, thinking broadly, and just being connected, tapping into the environment can help differentiate your experience, especially when you're talking to someone in product or even at an interview. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's great advice. Those three things really stand out, really help differentiate an exceptional candidate from the rest of them. But awesome. And the final question for this episode is a pretty really general question. If you think of it by itself, it's about your favorite product or a recent startup that you observed that caught your interest and why you liked it. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is cheating because I just used Clubhouse last night, but I can kind of talk you through what my mindset was. So in general, I've just been thinking a lot about audio, like the rise of speech voice only products. Um, for example, you know, we're on a podcast right now. Podcasts have really taken off in the past couple of years or voice notes. I get so many voice notes from my friends, from my family. People are just sending those more and more. So I've just really been thinking about audio. And then last night when I just decided to try out Clubhouse, I was very hesitant. I was like, how are they going to manage so many people trying to talk at once? Are people going to feel comfortable to talk? What does it really mean audio only? Can you connect with someone if you can't see their facial expressions? Truly, deeply connect with someone that you just don't know if you can't see their facial expressions. Because look, when we talk to someone on the phone, nine out of 10 times, you have talked to them before. It's your mom or your sibling or your friend. You know who that person is. So you might even be able to imagine their facial expressions in your mind. So I was worried. I was like, you know, this, this is this community app that's trying to facilitate connection between people who don't know each other through audio only. But last night when I was in the group, I was just really impressed with 
the way that it, it doesn't even matter about the UX being having some room for opportunity or it being negated, especially for me, right? I had never used it before and I just jumped right into a room and I was confused. The crux of that product was people just talking about their experiences centered around a particular topic and really connecting with each other. And it was really impressive. I, all of my assumptions that I've had about audio totally were validated when I was just, you know, I didn't say anything, I was just listening in, but I felt really inspired just listening to different people. And I was really impressed with it. So I, I think the crux of this is what I'm really impressed with is community-based apps that can take it a, from a little bit of a different perspective, right? So we have Reddit, which is one of the most popular community-based apps, but it's based around messaging and message boards, which are almost ancient artifacts at this time, but Reddit takes it to the next level. Um, you know, there's Slack can be considered a community app, which is based around messaging and private group messaging, whereas Reddit is public. This was interesting. It was the same type of mindset, community-based, topic-based, but it was audio. And I think that anything in general that has to do with trying to create these online communities, but twisting it a little bit, turning it on its head, showing how different types of communities may come about, whether it's text-based, one-to-one messaging, audio, video even, um, I think those are really cool. And I'm excited to see how those grow in the next couple of years, because I think that there's a, there's a big gap to fill there and a lot. I am impressed with the way that apps have been able to emphasize. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll start now. I'm impressed with the way that these apps have been able to emphasize this idea of creating community online and turning it on its head by using different types of perspectives and ways of creating that community. So for example, we have messaging on Reddit or Slack, but then Clubhouse is doing it by using audio. And I think that this is just an area that has been untapped largely by tech. And I'm excited to see how that grows in the next couple of years. I see. I think one thing that really needs to improve on these social communities that now that they're gathering a large amount of users, maybe incorporate a little bit more depth. Like you said, maybe improve the interconnectedness. I think Clubhouse is kind of aiming to do that. Um, I want to go into I want to go and try it right after this podcast and see that's really about. But thanks for sharing all that. I feel like uh, uh, we do need more apps to help us kind of improve on their interconnectedness, especially during a time like COVID. And I want to see how these apps kind of affect the way we live once kind of COVID kind of phases out and we're back to normal life. Yeah, for sure. I think it'll be interesting to see how these evolve given the state of the world and kind of these external factors. I agree. Awesome. Well, Emma, it was great having you on the show, and I really appreciated all your insights and advice, and I feel like the listeners 
learned a lot and uh, they're going to kind of make use of all that practical advice and hopefully they're going to try or as well as kind of move on to the next career path. But anyway, I do want to thank you again. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm happy if anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, you can put the link in the podcast description or on Twitter or on Instagram. Please feel free to reach out to me. I'm definitely happy to talk to anybody who is interested in learning more about the Perfect. I'll go and do that. Let me just pause the recording again.